I got to watch. Wow. No, it's, is it loud? Okay. All right. I got to watch the, uh, the drama team do that the other night at practice, and I just sat back there with Todd, and we just laughed. Um, I'm not so sure it wasn't for, I don't know, Sam's just comical. That's, uh, although you did, I, I did like your theme song. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I wonder if you, if you, if you caught what, what was said a while ago, what Chris said a while ago. The important thing is that we embrace things that are impactful to eternity. And I, I, want, I want to say that again. It is important for us to embrace things that are important for eternity. We are in the very last part of Hebrews chapter 11. And we are going to finish the Hall of Faith chapter today. Um, some of you are going, oh, I know, only two chapters left in Hebrews. Yep. Yep, only two chapters left. I hope it's been good. I hope, it, I hope you've been able to learn. I hope you've been able to see what God is doing. A reminders of the people. If, if you look up here on, the, on that stage, uh, you, you, saw, you saw Moses who, who led uh, theological thinkers, said it could be anywhere from one and a half to two million Jewish people. And he had a speech impediment. That's what they think. That he had maybe trouble communicating. Um, Rahab had her issues. Um, Joseph was an arrogant punk to his brothers, if you read, if you read the stories about him. And we, and we see all these different things. And the more, the more that I study these stories and the more that I study the Bible, the more I realize that I'm not any different than those people. And Samson, at the very end of his life, comes all the way full circle um, and, 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 destroys, and destroys people that were, that were against God. But we, we have to understand that we all have our own stuff. So this, this morning we're going to be talking about this as we end this chapter, that Jesus is greater than our comfort. Now, I don't know about you, um, but if I'm trying to embrace what is important for eternity and do everything that God wants me to do, that's not always comfortable. Now let's talk about, let's talk about comfortable um, in, in, in another sense. Where is, if you could pick one spot on this earth, in your house, sitting anywhere, laying in, where are you the most comfortable? And in your head, I just want you to go there. Maybe you have a, maybe you have a, a beanbag chair. Maybe you have a recliner that has all of your grooves in it and you, and you fit perfect in it. Or maybe, maybe it's a, you have a hammock in the shade. Maybe you have different other things. That, that place. You go to that place in your head. Now, you're just sitting there, you're laying there, you're doing whatever, and you're just chilling out, and everything is comfortable, and everything is good, and everything is, is, is going well. Maybe you're sitting in your favorite recliner. Maybe you are sitting and laying on your couch with your favorite blanket. Wherever that is. Understand that there's nothing wrong with physically and spiritually feeling comfortable but what I've noticed in 39 years of, of, of being on this earth, and more importantly, probably the last 15 or 20 when, when God really, really started to push me to follow him, any time that God wants me to do something, very rarely does that take place sitting in my recliner. Right? Very, very seldom do we stay spiritually comfortable. You can't read anything in the New Testament or Old Testament that, that Jesus or God comes up to people and say, Hey, 
Hey, Peter, yeah, um, you don't have to do anything the rest of your life. You just sit here. See, God, God does, God's not about us sitting still. Our faith is an action. Loving people is an action. We have to, on Wednesday night, I heard the words action and the drama team started. Listen, there, there's, there's a lot of comedy in here, but there are some eternal biblical truths that we just found out because some of us, some of us complain when somebody else gets credit. So we, 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 we're all in it for ourselves. We're selfish. And by being selfish and talking about comfort, we don't want to leave that. I've talked to you about uh, Tyler that used to be in my, in my youth group, and we we're talking about comfort zones. And I said, is your comfort zone like a hula hoop? He goes, no, my comfort zone is like a Cheerio. And for many of these people, getting up here today on stage was not in their comfort zone. To many it is. To many teaching a class, is a Sunday school class or a kids rock class is not, is not a comfort thing. But listen, comfort needs to, and I, I'm, I'm, please hear me, comfort needs to go out the window if we're doing something that God wants us to do. It doesn't matter if we're comfortable or not. It matters if we're going to literally honor God with our life. In your spiritual life, where do you feel the most comfortable? Oh. Do you have a place that you read every morning? Do you have a place that you do your devotionals? Or do you do, maybe you like to come to church. Maybe you like worship. Maybe you, maybe you like the sermon and most of, your most favorite part of the sermon is when it's over. I don't, I don't care. Okay. But where, where are you most comfortable spiritually? Maybe at church camp or a setting that's, that's different. Now, my dad taught me something a very long time ago, and I, and I use it quite regularly. When you experience what, what people call a mountaintop experience, okay, and you're, I mean, you come back from camp and we're like, yay, Jesus, and you got like awesome, awesome stuff going on and everything, you're, you want to tell all your friends, and, and, and you kind of taper off, okay, you come back down the mountain, okay. I'm a hunter, and if you're, if you're a hunter, you understand this, if, if you've ever been to the mountains, there is a point on which you go vertical up a mountain that's tall enough that is called the tree line, and above that line... There are no trees. Now, this is important because when you get up there, to, if, you, if you climb to the summit of a, of a big, tall mountain and you, you can be up there, there's nothing to block your view and you can see for a long way. But there are no trees. And my dad taught me this. He goes, mountaintop experiences are really, really good, but they are not designed for you to stay there because nothing grows there. It's the valley. The valley's green. The valley's lush. The valley has all the things coming down to it, so they grow. If you've ever been to the Garden, Garden of the Gods, you've seen this. You can get up on, now some, of you, some of you are a little bit more crazy than me. Some of you are like, well, I've been on top of the camel at Garden of the Gods. Well, whew, that scares me a little bit. But if you look down from those, those, those peaks and you look down in the stuff, that's where everything grows. So you have a mountaintop experience to get you through the valley. Now, which is more comfortable for you, being up here on the mountaintop experience or going through the valley? See, Psalm 23 doesn't play around. Though I walk through the, shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, we've ha- we have those times. We have these things. It's not comfortable, but if you understand this, Psalm 23 was not written because it was a great day. Psalm 23 was written because there is hope even in that bad day. It's a valley. 
It's where we grow. Well, I don't want to do that. I, I, I get it. I get, it's not fun going through. How many people, I'm, this, is, this is interactive church service, okay? How many people, you're not, I'm not going to say anything negative about you. How many people like to paint? How many people think painting is like not okay and awful? <laughs> How many people would be okay with painting if it involved this? <laughs> okay, so, so we prepared, the other day we prepared a porch and we pressure washed a porch. And then I got stain and sealer. I'm surprised that I do not have it on me. I had it everywhere yesterday. And I, I would go over it. And it, the wood was so dry. It was like. And I'm like. Oh, more. And, more. Now during, during this process. The end result is going to look good. Or the end result spiritually. Is we're going to see God move. Or answer him answer a prayer. Or things like that. But we don't want to do the prep work. See, if you just walked up to the deck and just tossed it, it's going to be uneven. It's not going to look aesthetically as well as it could. We want comfort sometimes in our spiritual life. We just want to cut a little bit of corner. Oh, we don't need to pressure wash it. We're just going to stain it. We don't need to clean it. See, God works on us and he says, Matt, I want you to be who I've designed you to be. And the problem is my arrogant self and our arrogant selves argue with God. Man, I want you to be who you want me to be. I said, all right, God, just do it. And see, we, 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 we toss around, we tweezer some scriptures. Say, well, God, um, Jesus said I could ask anything in his name and he would do it. So just make me like that person right now. That would be comfort. That would be ease. But we don't go through the process. We don't walk through the valleys to get to where God wants us to do. And you do not build any spiritual muscle doing that. See, going into, going into a valley is uncomfortable. And many of us understand that. Maybe, maybe you like to come to church on Sunday. And, and some of you are really excited that, that connect groups are starting back up. And we, we are too. We host one. And, uh, and I teach one on Wednesday nights here. But it's a great time. Because during the week, people have been really just getting pounded on and they want to get next to somebody and sit next to somebody that they can live life with maybe you maybe you just like to come to church and get recharged if you have your worship handout look at the first blank this is a personal question that i ask myself and i'm asking you today how difficult is it for you to get out of your comfort zone now, this is what this means, okay? I'm not trying to be smart aleck. I'm not trying to be smart. I'm not trying to be funny. This is exactly what this means. How difficult is it for you to get out of your comfort zone? We live in America, and sometimes that in itself is a curse. You got to come in here. There was nobody, there was nobody armed outside the door keeping you from coming in here and worshiping this morning. That, that person wasn't there. We have the ability to freely worship God in this country. And sometimes I think, sometimes I think, you know, if I, there was a meme, I think, that was shared by a couple people that I, I told you about. It was shared again this week. If we took out all these chairs, listen, people, you don't know how comfortable these are. I grew up with wooden pews. Anybody? Yeah. I, yeah. I had to, yeah. There is no getting butt grooves in those, okay? You have to, like, sit and... <laughs> But listen, if we took out all of this and we shut down the air and we, and we had no electricity and we had a floor to come and sit on, would this 
be enough. Now, Colton, and, and appreciate it because the, 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 the stuff that, that Todd and the band did this week, yeah, it was fun. But what if we didn't have any music? Is God's word still enough? What if we didn't have any instruments? We could just sing. We could just raise a hallelujah. It's the highest praise, by the way. So that doesn't get us, we don't want to do that because it gets us out of our comfort zone. God, man, I just want to come to church. I about lost my mind two weeks ago when I walked in here and it was 85 degrees in the sanctuary before church. I thought there would be, look at my mindset. I said, there are going to be people that come in here and they get ticked off because the air's not working. Do you understand how messed up that, that mindset is? Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. We as Americans need to get a lot more uncomfortable spiritually. We need to have God move in our lives like he's never moved in our lives before. But if you don't get out of your chair or your comfort zone or your place, he's not going to move there in you. So how difficult is it? Basically, this question asks this. How difficult is it for you to get out of your comfort zone is the same as how difficult is it for you to give up your agenda and let God do his work in you? I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Listen, just because, just because it's not my idea, just because it's not my plan, doesn't mean it's wrong. If God is leading me to that, if God is, I've talked with, I've talked with people that have told me they do not believe in God. And I talked, God said, listen, I'm putting you in their life, I'm putting you in, I played baseball with this guy. I don't believe in God, I don't like God, I don't want to hear about God, I don't want you wearing a Christian t-shirt around me, I do not want to be associated or to talk about God at all. Big party or big all kinds of other things. So me and my buddy decided that, that God had wanted us to share the gospel with this guy, but we needed to share it in a different way, we need to live it in front of him. Wow, that's a shocker. Like, that's a good idea all the time. So we would, we would talk to this guy, and one day we came back, and we, it's months and months of sharing, and his room was right here, and we had to walk down, and we went left to our, to our dorm room, and uh, we came in, we visited my buddy's house, and actually it was Richie that was here last week, and uh, I was with Richie, and he had, we both had our backpacks of, of clothes, and we were carrying all of our laundry, because that's why you go home in college, right, to do laundry and come back. So, so I had all my stuff, and, and, and this door was open, and BJ's door was open, and Hey, we get in our room and I'm putting laundry away. And we hear, I look at Rishi. I mean, it's like 11:30 at night, but we're on college time. And I said, "BJ, what's going on?" And he came in, and we started talking. And God just opened this opened this opportunity. Listen, it wasn't comfortable. Okay, it wasn't comfortable talking all those months with, with, with BJ. And, and I kept talking with him, and I kept talking with him, and I kept talking with him. And he finally looks at me and Richie, and he goes, I need what you have. I don't have that. He needed Christ. He needed forgiveness. So that night at 3.30 in the morning, 3.30, BJ prays on our coffee table by me and, with me and Richie, and he accepts Jesus Christ as his Savior. We call my mom and dad at 3.30 in the morning. He said, I've got to tell somebody. And I said, okay, well, call my dad. And my, BJ was over at my house all the time. My dad answers the phone. He said, Steve, I just want to tell you that I got saved tonight. And I thought my dad was going to come through the phone. He was so excited. 
But that whole process, listen, everybody likes to get candy at the end. They like the good stuff at the end, but the problem is that mountaintop is good. That mountaintop, these heroes of faith are really good to show us what God is capable of, but they did not get there without walking through valleys. Listen, it gives me a lot of hope, okay? It gives me a lot of hope, and I have my own stuff. But Rahab is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. God can use anyone, but you have to be able to move. Is Jesus greater than your comfort? That's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a question that you can ask yourself. Is Jesus better and bigger than my comfort? Jesus came to make the comfortable uncomfortable. <laughs> Do you not think that the Pharisees were not at the river when he got baptized by John the Baptist? Do you not think that the Pharisees followed him everywhere that they went? That Jesus was way out of their comfort zone. He, and they were the comfortable leaders. So Jesus comes to make the comfortable uncomfortable. One of the biggest things is he took, he took 12 ordinary guys and he changed the face of the world spiritually. We're talking about people preaching in front of huge crowds. We're not even told that it was eloquently. It was just that he would, they, they would speak. Peter, Peter gets up and, and preaches a sermon. There's 3,000 people that day. Can you imagine being at a church service like this? Listen, I saw Billy Graham in person. Wow. He spoke for seven minutes. At, then it was the Trans World Dome where the Rams play. Billy Graham gets on the stage, and Kurt Warner was there. And Billy Graham gets on the stage. He hops. Kinda, he didn't hop anything, but he, he walked up. and He's like this, and he goes, I'm on the same stage as Kurt Warner. How lucky am I? I'm sorry, what? Quite possibly the most recognized evangelist in this century. But he spoke for seven minutes. And there were many, 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 many people that came forward. But it wasn't 3,000. He took, he, took, he took fishermen and taught them how to fish for men. Not comfortable. It's not a skill that they just had. They had to learn it. They had to learn it. It's not supposed to be comfortable. When God, when you, when you move, okay, when you move out of your comfort zone, this is what happens. It, has anybody ever done a burpee? Okay, I don't like these things. Okay, I like the effects of those things, or, or bench press or something, lifting weights. I don't like most of those movements. Okay, I don't care for them. Now, if I had my pick, I want to pick up the heaviest stuff I can do as, as, as few times as I can and just be done. But see, it's, it's that endurance thing. Ugh, cardio. What, what, would, what would happen? What would happen if Christians practice cardio spiritual workouts? So that we wouldn't get all gassed out when the first thing happened. But we, we learned how to step over it. And we stepped over it. And we kept going. See, we, we, we're going to enjoy heaven, but that's the end result. Okay, right now we're going through times that can make us uncomfortable. Look at, look at Hebrews 11, verse 32 with me this morning. So the, the writer of Hebrews says something very, very interesting right here. He says this, How much more do I need to say? Now remember, he's given, he's given the list after list after list of, 
Moses and Abraham and Jacob and these huge, huge people. Moses. What? You know, I talked to my dad one time, and my, my, my dad and myself are big baseball fans, and my dad got to see Bob Gibson pitch. Now, if you're not a Cardinals fan, it probably doesn't make any sense to, to you, but they literally lowered the mound because of Bob Gibson in that year that he had. Okay, they, they changed a game because of a guy, and I would love to have see, saw him. But my dad one day did not just get to see Bob Gibson pitch. He saw Bob Gibson throw against Sandy Koufax. Quite possibly top ten in, in the list of all, pitchers of all time. And I would ask my dad, Dad, what was it like seeing him throw? He goes, he threw hard. And he goes, his demeanor was like, you're not going to hit this. Pete Rose is quoted to, to say that hitting off Sandy Koufax, a left-hander from, from uh, the Dodgers, trying to hit Sandy Koufax was like trying to drink a cup of coffee with a fork. These are dominating people. And my dad would, he, he'd go, well, he had a good fastball. Well, he had a good curveball. He, he had a, just a, a stone-cold mentality. He had one of the best defenses in the league behind him. He had all these strikeouts. And I said, yeah, Dad, but was he good? It's like me just sitting there going, yeah, but was he good? And my dad, my dad would finally reach this point. How, what else do you want me to say? He's good. He's probably the best, he, he's probably the best pitcher that he, he's ever seen. And I said, well, okay, let's change. Who's the best outfielder you've ever seen play? Roberto Clemente. That's not bad. So how much more do I need to say? So he's getting, not disgusted with these people, but he's like, here it is. Look, look at the reason. It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Here's a, here's a study for you to do. If you don't think that God wants you to be uncomfortable or you think your life is too unfair because you have to be uncomfortable, I want you to read the stories about the prophets in the Old Testament. This is their job. I, we joked about this yesterday at First Step. By the way, God is good. We have more people joining the church yesterday. Uh, we're going to baptize uh, a, one person already in October. Um, and there's two people that couldn't make First Step that want to join as soon as we can have another one. Like, that's what God is good. And that's a blessing that we see for doing what he, he, he wants us to do. But look at, the, look at the story of the prophets. This is what they did. They were called by God to do a job. Okay? This is the job they got to do. They listened to God. They went to the people. And you could just read Isaiah. If you're in D group reading right now, just, you remember Isaiah, what did he do? He, get, he hears, he goes to the people and he goes, you are all in trouble. You are all going to be destroyed if you do not. And, and he warns about upcoming wars and Assyria's, Assyrians coming from the north to destroy the temple. All these different things. What do you think the prophets did for fun? Because the only thing we read about is Receive bad news for people. Go to people bad news is about. Tell them the bad news. It's tough. There's no comfort. There's no comfort for these people. Listen, about, about some of these people, listen to this. Gideon. We think, we, we look at these names and we're like, yeah, awesome stories. You read about David. Yep. Hit a giant in the head with a rock. Cut his head off with a sword. Booyah, don't talk smack about God. Listen, there's so, many, so much more. Listen, we see the highlights, but watch. Gideon demanded that God show him signs so that he knew that God was wanting him to do that. That's not faith. Well, how in the world did he get in this chapter? I don't know. I didn't write it. 
Barack Samson? Samson was sexually promiscuous and on several occasions broke his Nazarite covenant. Actually, he just broke it all the time. All the time. And he had no, he had no care for loss of life. None. Read, read about the, the warrior side of him. Jephthah vowed to sacrifice his own daughter. David committed adultery. Then he tried to cover it up by taking that woman's husband and putting him on the front so he would be killed. It's a cover-up. See, we, we see the good things about these people, but everybody it's in this building and in this scripture has our stuff. But the writer does something interesting. Even though they have all these things wrong with them, the writer chooses to not include the negative stuff, only the positive. Are you not glad that God, when, that, that God forgets your stuff? Are you serious? I'm being serious here. Are you not, are you, because we read in Hebrews that God chooses to not remember our sin if we repent. Now, I don't know about you, but I know me. And I know how thankful I am that God forgives me and he doesn't hold me accountable. I believe it was Chris and standing right here and, 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 and uh, Angela was arguing back and forth with him about the selection process. And Chris says, no, I don't think that we deserve that. I think that we deserve much worse. We do. We do. Look at verse 33. By faith, listen to the things that these people do. We're like, well, God, can God do that? Look. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms that God wanted them to be overthrown, okay? Overthrow kingdom. They ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. Listen, listen, listen to this. They shut the mouths of lions. When is the last time that you have done that? Oh, yeah, I got a lion in my backyard. Listen, I was in South Africa. I heard the lions roar. I've been to the zoo. I have seen Madagascar. (laughs) My favorite is King Julian on Madagascar. So, listen, the lions, they would not feed them. And it it was a game to these people were just brutal. And they would throw people. Now, I don't know if you know this math. Hungry lion... Human death. Chomp, chomp. You don't last long with a hungry lion. With a lion, you're talking about a big, strong body, but you're also talking about huge paws and an enormous teeth. You do not get away from it. But God did. God shut the mouths of lions. He quenched the flames of fire. Escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. How do these people do all this stuff? Man, they get credit for being, look, they get credit for being in the hall of faith and they didn't even do it. It was God. But the important thing here is this. The only way that they got to do some of these things was because of their faith. I think God, right now, in my life and in your life and throughout our lives, has been sitting here and he's been going, just trust me. Just trust me. Just trust me. I know that you have these problems. Just trust me. Just trust me. Just, just. See, God's got to talk about like that, that with us because some of us are last word people. You, you want to be last word with God. That doesn't work. God is the last word. He is the beginning and he's the end. And we, 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 I think that we miss out on a whole bunch of stuff that God has for us if we would just believe. 
You know why we don't? It's not comfortable, is it? God, I don't even know. I don't even, oh, this, is so, I don't, this doesn't make any sense. When's the last time that God, this is my, a quote from my wife whenever I was having a pity party with myself. Anybody ever have a pity party? Listen, it's okay to have a pity party. No one to leave. And I, I was complaining about something and complaining about something. My wife comes in and she does not, heart, she doesn't ever talk to me this way. But she was very stern and she was very on the money and she was very to the point. And she used all three of my names. So I knew I was in trouble. I was complaining, just something silly. And I'm like, God, would you just, man, would you just take care of this? Or I don't, I don't understand how you're going to do this. And I said, Mary, I just, can't, I just can't trust God anymore. He doesn't make sense to my, to my mind sometimes. She walks in to the living room and she said, Stephen Matthew Griswold, when is the last time that God has ever let you down? Here's the answer. Ready? Never. If he calls you to something, he's going to empower you to do it. But God is the only reason this stuff happened. Look at the, your worship handout at the next blank. These people allowed God to use them. That's the problem. When we allow God to use us, we don't get to stay in our comfort zone. I don't want to move. I don't want to move. How about this? Mary uses a charger because uh, one of those lay-on chargers, and she keeps it like on a, on a desk that's on the, other side of our, on the other side of our bed, like at our feet, a little bit further. So she's laying there, and you know, like, he's like, all snuggled and warm, and you're comfortable, and all of a sudden your phone goes, ding. Now, to some of you, I've texted some of you. Some of you don't even care that that went off, because you do not text me back, okay? I'm just, that's a joke. It's okay. But some people are like, oh, good, it's dinging. I'm, 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 I need to ask this. On your phone, are there any people in here that if you have a one or a number by your emails, you have to check it and get that number? Thank you, my people. I love you guys. Some of you have like 1,800 emails, and I'm like, check your email. And then I'll talk, I'll talk to Mary, and she goes, well, I checked it. I go, then delete the number. Touch it so it goes away. It's not comfortable for me to look at, right? I know so that's going to be like a lunch discussion with some spouses in here right now. You need to... Pastor Matt said, you'd delete that number. Some of you are going to send me screenshots of your phone. I will delete them. There were was, there was some of you that, that love me so much. I talked to you about temperature control, and, and both sides need to be at the same when I'm in the truck, and I'm very weird about that because otherwise it doesn't make me comfortable. One of you lovely people in this church sent me, it was like 85 and 64. I'm like, oh. I looked at it, and I just, I just deleted it. I couldn't handle it. And I, and I, but... We don't allow God to use us because when God uses us, it's not comfortable. God, I'm, we, we do the, God, do you know who I am? Do you know what kind of big deal I am? Man, I think you need to sit down. You're right. He has to get on you. But God, I don't want to do that. And we stomp our feet or we turn into Miss Piggy. And I, I use that a lot, but it is the truth. We, don't you? You turn into a spirit, you turn into a teenager spiritually. I don't even know what letter starts with. H, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> All right, good. We learned something today. Hebrews 11.35. Look, look at this. Women received their loved ones back again from death, but others were tortured. Why is it not comfortable for us to follow God? And some of this, many, much of this stuff doesn't e- exist currently right now with us following God in the United States. Look at these people. These women, I'm sorry, um, 
They, others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. These women were probably women that, that, that are recorded that followed Elijah and Elisha. When we trust in God, he can do anything. Look at this. There are many. If, you've, if you, if you want to read a book, I don't recommend it for younger kids because it's pretty, it's pretty detail-oriented. Fox's Book of Martyrs. You can read about a husband and a wife, and the husband's a pastor, and they're leading him. They're leading him. They are leading him to tie him to a post to set him on fire. And he looks back to his wife, and she's singing hymns. And he, all he's doing is he's, he's giving glory and honor to where he is getting ready to go. And I'm worried about if the air is on. Do we get it? God calls us into a place that's not comfortable. But it's not comfortable on purpose because if you're comfortable, the last thing on your mind is needing God. It's the last thing on your mind. They placed their hope in a life better, or better, in a better life after the resurrection. Now, that's future. They didn't get to see him. Where's your trust lie? I don't trust anyone. I heard that this week. I don't trust anyone. Fine. What happens when you have to trust God? I don't trust him either. I'll get it myself. Man. Look at verse 36. Some were jeered at. Oh. They're made fun of. I'm sorry. Why don't we take some time to remember that Jesus Christ, the Lord of our souls, was made fun of and mocked. And they bowed down to him, mocking him at his crucifixion. They punched him in the face. They spit on him. They pulled his beard out. They were mocking. They were mocking the son of God that could have spoke. And legions of angels would have come down and completely annihilated everybody that was doing that. Gone. And I listened and I heard a lot of... Oh, here's Matt. Do you know that I don't get asked to dinner with some people that I, like I play softball or I, where I, I work with or I coach with? Do you know that people do not ask me and Mary to go out to eat because I'm a pastor? Oh, he's a pastor. And I'm a human. And I like food. So that means you can ask me to go to dinner, okay? And I'll eat, I'll eat with you. But people have this, this thing. They say, oh, well, we have to act a certain way when we go to church. Come and be yourself, Come and be yourself and realize that God has people that are going through times that's not comfortable and sit right beside one of them and know that you're loved. We're get, we get made fun of. Fine. Fine. I read, it, I read in my reading this week and I journal on it. What can mere man do to me? I don't serve man. Do you? Sometimes we like to serve this man. Backs were cut open with whips. Chained in prison. You realize how many books we have in the New Testament that were written from prison? Do you realize people like Adoniram Judson who, who went to Burma and he, he translated into a Burmese, uh, a Burmese Bible that he spent three years and lost three wives traveling to the other side of the world to reach the people of Burma for Christ? That was less than 150 years ago. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in, ha- sawed in half. Why? Because they wouldn't quit talking about the gospel. Some went, to, some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats. 
destitute and oppressed, mistreated. John the Baptist did not win any popularity contest with anyone. He, li- he was weird. Okay? He was saw very, very weird. He lived, in, he lived in the wilderness. He ate locusts and honey. He wore camel hair. I'm, literally, this guy probably looked like, oh, Captain Caveman. Probably really similar. He'd say, maybe not a club. <laughs> he, wa- li- he had no notoriety. He was, he, was, he was the person that came, the precursor to Christ, and he's got his head chopped off because a, a daughter of a king said, that's what I want. Look at verse 38. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earn a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. Listen, the author right here is not asking us to go, to go um, and suffer like these people did. The author of Hebrews is saying, I want you to look what these people did and how they trusted God, and you need to repeat that. Well, I just don't think I can trust him. Listen, how many times in this life has God ever failed you? And that answer is zero, no matter what answer you tell me. It's zero. He's never, we deserve so much, so much worse. We're called to do what God wants us to do. It's our obligation. We are not anywhere in scripture called and told that this will be a comfortable process. Oh, actually there is one, there is one translation. I think you can find it. If you find a Bible that has the book of hesitations, it's in hesitations 4.4. Before you Google hesitations, it is not in the Bible. Okay, please do not. Yeah, okay, it's not there. Okay, Hezekiah 4.4, also not there. So, why does the author challenge us so much? None of them received all that God had promised. Do, do you have any idea what God could have done with Samson had he, had he stuck with his vow and done exactly what God wanted him to do? Blessings missed. Opportunities missed. We do the same thing. Look at verse 40. Look at, look, this is awesome. You take all of your junk. If you want to think about one thing today, you take all of your junk, everything that you've ever done and sinned and done all kinds of different stuff, and you know what you deserve. You do. It's not for me to tell you. You know. But God had something better in mind for, the, for us so that we would not reach perfect that they would not reach perfection without us. There is a hope in heaven, okay? You take all of your stuff, you know what you need to be judged by, but listen, without the new covenant, without Jesus, you're wasting your time here. Go home and do whatever you want to do. But you can't, because he was a real person. God did send him. When's the last time that you, look, that you were looking forward to heaven? Not looking forward to being done with this life, but looking forward and looking to heaven to get to enjoy. For real. We have a bad day. Yeah, you're going to have bad days. Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine? (laughs) Walking on the streets of gold. Listen, it will be not a big deal. Hey, Samson. Hey, Paul. I really want to see him. We look on the face of the God that gave his life for us. Do you look ahead with hope? Do you look ahead with 
intent? Or do you look down in disgust? You have that choice. But, doing what God does in my personal experience, and probably many of us' experience, it is not comfortable. Because if you are comfortable, you do not want to get out of bed. If you're comfortable spiritually, you're not growing. Look at the very last blank on your worship handout. Listen, the world is not our home. What do you mean? Yesterday I went over in first step that when you were created, you're, you're created for eternity. Your soul lives forever. Listen, this world is not our home. So, going, whatever you have to face this week, man, 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 I've got a doctor's appointment, I'm not sure how it's going to go. Are you future focused? Are you praying about that? These people, these people saw past that. Listen, there's nothing that men cannot do to you because of where you've placed your hope. Does this make you uncomfortable? The problem is, we, we need to take far much more serious the, the fact that God wants to teach us and show us some things. And sometimes, He has to correct us. That's not comfortable. He has to teach us. That's not comfortable. We have, to, we have to learn how to grow more spiritually stronger, and that's not comfortable. Comfort is hindering. So what happens? We see, we see a chapter full of people that get exonerated because of, because of a couple things or maybe a one thing that they did in their entire life. But what, do they, what do they do? At that moment in their life, whenever it was, the chips were down, it was this. It wasn't comfortable for them to follow and do what God had said. It wasn't comfortable for the prophets to do the same thing in the Old Testament. It wasn't comfortable. Did they fail? Yeah. That's why it's a really good reminder for us that fail. How difficult is it for you to get out of your comfort zone? I hope when you leave here today and you have to go eat and whatever you're going to do, and you go home and you sit down, relax and rest is good. I hope that you, you seek this week to ask God, God, am I getting too comfortable in different places? Am I getting too comfortable? How do you want, how do you want to move? Ask him to stretch you. God, am I just on a mountaintop? What about when I go through this valley? What, show me. It's great worshiping with you today. It's great being here. Pray with me. God, we love you. God, it's so easy for us to stay comfortable. We are, we are so spoiled. God, help us spiritually to, to dive into what you want for us. God, if you want us to move in a different direction or, or make a different decision, God, and we're, we're up, in the, up in the air about that, God, have us, just let us seek you. God, if we need to move out of our comfort zone, Help us. God, we love you. I thank you for these people that are here. God, I pray that we can, this fellowship as some leave and some stay and some come. God, we just, uh, just rejoice in the fact that of all you've done and, and all you do for us. In your name we pray. Amen.